Ted Kitchens, Manchester, Boston, Regional uh, Airport Executive Director. We do have a little bit of snow out there, mixture of stuff on the roadways. That doesn't really hopefully affect the airways, but always like to get an update in a very busy time of year. Ted, good morning. Hey, good morning, Jack. And I know you got a action-packed agenda this morning, so uh, I'll try to make it quick here. <laughs> no, no, you know, you're, no, you're important. We like hearing this news because some people are not yeah. totally aware of well, all the great stuff happening there. Yeah, and honestly, I want to give a, a big kudos to my team. They've been at this for eight months now with the primary um, season. We know we all know it starts really in earnest in, in, in June, July. I remember you know, we were dealing with the runway reconstruction, and we were in the intersection work, which is a critical piece of work. And the second airplane that came in was DeSantis's aircraft. Um, and that just it, it, it takes a toll on the team you know, with all the VIP movements and additional security measures that we have to take. Uh, for 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 eight months, and uh, they they did a great job, and they can rest here a little bit. Uh, I'm sure they'll all be back here uh, in a few months. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. How are the travel patterns looking now that we're we're not into the school vacation stuff in February yet, but we're not that far away? Uh, what are some yeah, of the cool uh, stuff happening? Yeah, our load factors are, are really good. I mean, the airlines you know removed a little bit of capacity in January and February, uh, just because of their poor uh, uh, performance on their earnings. You know for the third quarter, so they 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 chopped some some uh, some seats in the fourth quarter and extending into the first quarter because those are usually the softest quarters for the airlines financially. So uh, they 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 removed some seats, but our load factors are good, um, better than last year, and I think that's just because of all the primary traffic, all the political tourism that happens around here, all the surrogates that come up, uh, obviously the media and the political pundits that that come up. Uh, to follow the the uh, the primary, and uh, I think we're going to see a, a pretty good amount of traffic here uh, today, uh, all heading out. Yeah, uh, I think to either I, Nevada or South Carolina, wherever they came from. Well, I agree with that, but also I just think just regular people from Maine, Mass, and New Hampshire that have the good sense to fly out of Manchester, yep. Boston Regional yep. Airport. I think we did have a cold snap last week. You know, we've had the rain period. It's been kind yep. of weird since the holidays, but we're going to get really into the throes of February and March here, and that seems yep. like you get a lot of migration south. We do, and, and especially for the, the winter break here in, uh, in about three weeks, uh, that, that'll start, that traffic will start picking up. Uh, but, you know, uh, there's some winter weather uh, out there today, so, you know, we, we keep the airport open. We have to. Um, you know, the team does a great job of keeping the airfield you know, safe and operational. Um, it's up to the airlines to decide whether or not they're going to fly or not in this weather. It's not, it's not because the airport is quote unquote closed. That just doesn't yep. happen. Um, you know, so we just always ask that everybody, you know, just check with your airline before you make your way to the airport. And of course, you know, take a little bit of extra time today because the roads are a little bit, a little bit dangerous out there and a little bit treacherous. Uh, just take, so give yourself plenty of time and come in and get a nice hot coffee and, and get on your flight and enjoy the warm weather wherever you're going. All right. Thanks, Ted. <laughs> Ted Kitchens, Manchester, Boston, Regional Airport. Congrats to your team. Great, great extra work. Well, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Jack. Mike Dennehy. Uh, one of the great ones with us last night, of course, and uh, he uh, managed not one but two winning New Hampshire presidential primary campaigns for the late John McCain. Michael, we just signed off last night with you. Good morning. Hope you got some rest and sleep. What uh, What are your takeaways? Nikki Haley says the race is far from over. We'll come back to that. But kind of feels like Trump did what he needed to do, and maybe it's more direct for him now going forward. Yeah, good morning, Jack. Uh, let me be the first to say this, if it hasn't been said publicly already, Jack Heath told me yesterday at 5 p.m. Donald Trump's going to win by 12 points. <laughs> this morning, the results are in Donald Trump won by 12 points. I don't know why you're talking to me right now. <laughs>
Oh, I do because you're the best. <laughs> so, Jack, here's really, uh, let's get down to the bottom line here. There's nothing good coming out of yesterday's election for Nikki Haley. Just, there's just nothing good about it. Yeah. I, I, I studied the numbers all night and this morning. The final number, the final margin uh, it was 12 points. But, but if you, once you look inside the numbers, it's just plain bad. Donald Trump received 75% of the registered Republicans yesterday. 75% among Republicans. This is a Republican primary. So Haley won 65% of the independent vote, which, as you may remember, I, I have said all along, she needed to win 65% of the, of the independent vote to overcome Donald Trump's strength. But his strength, his, he was even stronger among Republicans than expected. So she got 65% of the independent vote, but only 45% of independents turned, only 45% of the Republican vote was independent. Uh, I actually thought it might be a little higher, but it wasn't. Yeah, so, Mike, good morning. It's Vikram here also uh, joining hey, you. Vikram. Uh, so, look, I, I, I agree. Look, it was a good night for Donald Trump, but I'm not so sure I would classify it as a disaster for Nikki Haley. Look, less than 36 hours prior to the kickoff of the New Hampshire primary, there were three people in this race. Right. So there's a little bit of digesting that's going on. And there's no question this was a great night for Donald Trump. But I'm not convinced it was as bad a night for Nikki Haley as it seems to be. No. And let me try yeah. this for both of you and go back to Michael. Let's make this fluid. Not a bad night for Nikki Haley. She had a very upbeat speech. I think it's the nights and the days ahead that get difficult for Nikki Haley. She's not all in in Nevada. And then in South Carolina, Trump's got Tim Scott. He seems to have the... It's it's a Republican primary in South Carolina. It's It's her home state. Trump's got a big lead there, arguably a stronger lead among the base than he had here. Yep. And and if you're in her shoes, hold on, if you're in her shoes, this is what I'd be thinking. And Michael, both of you, if you are in Nikki Haley's shoes, do you want to lose your home state badly? And then what? See what I'm saying? She's got to win South Carolina. If she knows she's not going to win it, what's? It's almost a futile, futile effort. Jack, I just got off the phone with with ABC News. Here's what's going to happen: she's going to go through the motion for the next two weeks. She obviously is going to get. She's not even in the in the Nevada contest. She's going to go through the motions in two weeks, and then she's going to drop out before the South Carolina primary. Remember, this, this has to sink in with people. She lost Republicans 75 to 25 yesterday. That's, that's not even close. And you need Republicans to win a primary. And you need Republicans yeah. to win. In South Carolina, it's, it's an open primary, but there's not registered voters there. They don't register. So there's going to be very little independent turnout. It's all Republicans. I've been through the process twice in South Carolina. She's going to get killed. It's not even going to be close. She's, and I truly believe she's going to end up dropping out. Yeah. Like, I think you're, you may be right. Here's my concern or one variable that we have to think, in, think about here, which is what do the donors want to do? Where is the money does, going? Does what are they going to want? Us? Well, it might because they may, they may want an option who is not Trump to be available. Etc. Oh, Vikram, you're you're absolutely right. She may stay in the race because her donors want her to, but it won't influence the vote. So she'll go through all these primaries losing seventy-five to twenty-five. She won't get any delegates, 
and then she'll just she'll ruin any career she has. Yeah, but so so if you look forward at the calendar of the upcoming primaries, which ones are open or semi-open, whatever they call them, where independents or anyone can vote. On that list, Mike, you got South Carolina, Michigan, Virginia, Texas, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Vermont. They all allow independents and Republicans to vote. And most of them are winner-take-all, so they're not I, proportional. No, I get it. So, I get so, that. So, yeah, it's really, it's a, it's a giant, futile effort. There's a, 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 no one's going to be able to convince me that yesterday was anything but bad news for Haley. And she now just has to think about her future. How long is she? Yeah. Look, 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 John McCain, when he won in, in New Hampshire in 2000, and decided to obviously go on to South Carolina. He won the Republican vote in New Hampshire. He beat yeah. George Bush 44 to 36, and then he got 65% of the independent vote. Nikki Haley doesn't have a case to make because she's getting killed among Republicans. You can't run for the Republican nomination winning independent voters. I think, I think there's a... You, go yeah. ahead. Finish your thought, Michael. Yeah. No one... No, she won't get enough delegates... And they won't nominate her at the convention because she's being voted by independent voters. There's another thing that I think you touched upon that we haven't said, and I want you both to comment before we go to a break. And thank you, Michael Dennehy, Dennehy Belay Group, is your stock. Everyone looks at stocks. You look at the markets, Dr. Vic. You have to look at your political stock. Mm. And what is your stock brand and value today? And she came off a pretty good showing last night in New Hampshire, held her head high, Upbeat speech. Um, If her stock is going to drop going forward, why stay in? Yeah. Look, I think that was the big reason why DeSantis probably got. Yeah, you got to know. You got to know when to get off the stage without someone telling you. Yep. This isn't going well for you. Yeah. Look, because you know what, people remember the. Well, you know what I've noticed. It was true with Richard Nixon. It's been true with a lot of things in in media in my life and my media set of glasses. Michael is people remember the last note. They remember the last story. They don't remember the whole thing. So they're going to look at when DeSantis left, where, where, where did he leave at the moment? Number two in Iowa. Yep. Nikki Haley, you get a good showing in New Hampshire, probably the best night you're going to have because so many independents voted. If it's going to slide downhill from here, you've got to do the cost-benefit analysis. You've got, to be, you've got to be mature about it. She is very smart person. She's yep. going to look yep. at this and say, look at i got a pretty good record overall. You know, if you're, if you're a pro athlete. You don't want to stay in and, you know, J-Dog, you don't want to baseball. If you're a 320, 310 hitter, you don't want to stay in and be a 160 hitter. I, look, look at how long Ted Cruz stayed in. He stayed in longer than he should have. Yeah, that, and, uh, that he, hasn't served he him en- well. Yeah, but, you, but he ended up coming around, and he ended up being one of Trump's biggest supporters and still is to this day. Uh, but, he, yeah, she, she's young, obviously. And, and she's got to think about her future and what is best for her and yeah. how she you know like Sununu always says how are we going to grow the Republican Party can't you know she it's not going to serve her well to battle Trump needlessly for several several months right and real quickly Michael um if she does we don't know she may stand up the long haul she may surprise all our analysis here which is totally fine free country if she does bow out does she do what DeSantis did and endorse Trump or just bow out I think she does I think she ends up endorsing Trump Okay, we have a question from a listener named Patty. What was the highest? Was this the highest Republican turnout in the primary, Michael? Oh, without a doubt. Uh, Republican for... Uh, highest number of votes. The final numbers. Republican. Yes, it is. Yes. All right. Real quickly, Dr. Vic, um, 
the book. Tell us about it. The generalist. That you're yes. Down. What's it? What's what's it about? Give yeah, me the so elevator pitch. The elevator pitch is pretty simple, Jack. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Um, it's called "The Making of a Generalist." Subtitle is "An Independent Thinker Finds Unconventional Success in an Uncertain World." Jack, it's about my story where people are putting labels on me left and right, and how it's been tough to navigate that. But sticking with the independent thought actually has proven useful for me. Um, and you know, I tell the story about what happened at Harvard. How they loved me. I won teaching awards. And then, you know, you come out as a Republican, that label, that, that doesn't work for them. Um, and uh, there's other stories like that all through uh, earlier days. A little bit of the origin story of my life and my father coming from um, what is today Pakistan through India to the United States, being super proud to become an American citizen. So it's a, it's a personal story, um, but it's really one that hopefully inspires readers to think, hey, you know what? Think for yourself. Don't worry about labels. Treat everyone with respect. Look widely. Be open-minded. That's it. Timely. Good book with all the stuff going on. Hey, let's get back to just a couple things before we go to the We have some great sponsors this morning. Bob Jackman, Laval, Middleton Building Supply. We're going to catch up with some of them because it's been an interesting few days of national politics here in New Hampshire. Talking about weather patterns in your home. Going to hear also from our friends at Guyton Forge Financial. Reminder, by the way, Nissan... In Stratum, the Auto Fair Nissan and Stratum, right off exit 11, Auto Fair Nissan and Stratum, they still are offering 500 bucks this month. Additional deal, whatever you get, new or used, just say Jack, an additional 500 bucks. Auto Fair Nissan and Stratum, just ask for Adam. 500 bucks, that will get you a few groceries. Dr. Vic, um, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at the primary. So Joe Biden, you know, got the, uh, got the headline they wanted. They got, they got enough write-in votes not to be totally embarrassed. Mm-hmm. But the Democrats, whether they, whether they want to admit it or not, they have a problem because the, there's no energy around the Biden candidacy, none at all. And uh, that's just a fact. That's not even a, a political type point of view. It's just no energy there. Yep. Now, now yep. their, their, their theory might be going into a general because the other thing I asked last night, I want to ask you this. If 80 percent or so of the polls nationally of people, all voters, all parties, young and old, don't want Biden and Trump again. Why, why, get, why is yeah. that exactly what we may get? Why is that? Yeah, look, Jack, I think part of it's the primary process for sure, right? So when we say 80, 70% of Americans don't want it, that's a generic across the board thing. And it may be that, you know, 70% of Democrats don't want Trump and 70% of you know Republicans don't want Biden. And, you know, each side wants their player and the fight, so to say. So that could be part of the story as well. Um, but I think... Look, we need alternatives. We need competition, more people, more ideas. That's what a primary process is about. And, you know, you've seen what's happened on the Democrat side. They're sort of avoiding it. They're not doing it. Um, They're hiding from the competition of ideas, Uh, of course, with the exception of Dean Phillips and Marianne Williamson. Um, So I think that's part of the story as well. Um, And look, we had a we're, we're having still, I would argue, a vibrant Republican primary process um yes it's narrowed down to a couple people um and you know that may end up with just one person pretty soon but um you know i'm optimistic i like the competition of ideas jack i think that's part of where we got and why we got here yeah but look it's a it's a great question why are we getting what none of us want yeah and i and something (laughs) i said yesterday i almost feel as much as the national media seems to not like trump maybe other than fox but i'm talking cnn and all the national media Boy, they, they put Trump in the news a lot. 
you can't turn on a newscast. And I think this is part of the subtle problem that a lot of the Republicans had, and they, they don't understand it, even back to 2016. Donald Trump is such a marketing genius, like him or not, despise him or not. He's got his brand and his name everywhere. The media loves it. Those debates were irrelevant because Trump wasn't there. He knows it. He plays it like a fiddle. Yep. They, you, they, if you watch CNN, you can't watch five minutes without 47 mentions of Trump. Yep. So how do you, when that much news, good and bad, how do you get that much name well, recognition? He's got so much brand recognition. Yeah, look, he's, he's playing the game of all publicity is good publicity. Right. He's playing the victim card. Look at the whole system's coming after me. And by the way, I'm representing you. They're coming after you. I'm taking the bullet for you. Um, And it seems to be working. Right. So one of the things I, you know, in fact, Jack, not to go back to my book, but one of the things I suggest in the book is, look, we should all diversify our media diets. If we broaden the perspectives we're exposed to, it'll be easier to think for ourselves. Well, it's happening with younger people because very you, you, people don't know this, but younger people look at CNN and Fox as archaic. Yeah. I'm talking 20-year-olds. Yeah, but well, what I'm saying is not just moving beyond those networks. I'm saying if you watch Fox News, turn on CNN yeah, also. Well, it's called an open mind. Yes, that's yeah, what I'm saying. Exactly. But people are not doing that. They're I living know, in silos. They're being specialists. Well, and I'm saying the is, break so the, the silo, become a generalist. That's look at, what you need to do. Look, at, I, I was, I guess, technically, a, well, I was a journalist when I was a TV reporter. You reported on the news, right? That's right. I'm a, talk, I'm a news talk host now. It's different. Give opinion. But half the national media, these anchors, are political activists. And uh, the people watching don't want that. But anyway. That's true in academia, too, by the way. Oh, I know. Well, that's another subject for another day. Riley up a little bit. We'll go to climate change next. By the way, does Harvard, do they have a new president (laughs) yet? Are you in the running? No. Are you kidding me? Jack, I couldn't stay in the running to be a lecturer. (laughs) All right. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about changing weather patterns in your home. Our friends at Laval and Middleton Building Supply. Reminder, Tenny Mountain, the official skier of Good Morning Hampshire, the Pulse of an H. Back in a few. Good morning, New Hampshire, powered by Sig Sauer. Now, back to Jack Heath on the Pulse of New Hampshire. All right, we are back, and uh, we'll see where all the politics goes. We'll take a quick break. Always like to take a great break uh, for your home, your house, your condo, your dwelling. Bob Jackman, Laval and Middleton Building Supply. Joining us, Bob. We're through a lot of the political stuff, but uh, the weather patterns, you know, we've got to pay attention to those because we've had a weird month or so. Cold, warm, ton of rain, ton of high tides, ton of water in places like Portland, Maine, the seacoast. Then cold. Now, you know, back and forth weather patterns. Well, you're absolutely right about that. And now, as a rule, all day, every day, we ask people to become educated consumers. And by that, we mean to understand the systems of your house so that you can better serve your house and it can better serve you. You know, I, we're coming off a, a primary election here. We were, we were all, I think most people pretty much ignore politics until it's time for an election. And we get educated right at the last minute about it. And we want to make sure people know that they have an avenue to get educated about their homes. And you alluded to rain and snow. Uh, let's talk about roof load. You know, what? what is your roof having to put up with? Now, people will always ask us, what's a foot of snow weigh? So a foot of snow, a light fluffy snow, like I'm looking out the window right now and it's snowing, 
and that snow is probably going to weigh about 10 pounds a square foot. And that's a foot thick, so it's really a cubic foot. Mm-hmm. Rain's on top of that, and it can be 20 pounds a square foot very, very quickly. Yeah. Now, give the sun chance to work on that, and then it'll stay there when it gets crusty, and you get another snowstorm on top of that, and you can easily have 40 pounds a square foot of snow on your roof when it's two feet thick. Oh, at least, yeah. Now, the roof is designed to hold that, but by the time you get two feet of snow on the roof and you give the sun time to work on it and also the heat that is escaping from your house is melting that snow from the bottom side and making it all heavier. So you could easily double that. And and what I find Bob Jackman, Lavelle, Minuton Building Supply, and you have some great education and products and awareness where people can get help and expertise, um, is water is like smoke. It will find the smallest openings to go. And it will go into the walls. It might go into a, underneath a dormer. You don't know it. And all of a sudden, and then it freezes again. Next thing you know, you could have an issue. So water will find that opening, right? Yeah. Water is one of those things that will drive you crazy. If you want it to stay in the pipes, it won't. And if you want it to stay out of the house, it won't. You know, you're right. It'll find a pinhole somewhere and come in. And one of the big uh, avenues, let's say, is ice dams. Now, the roof is designed, it's layered, so that it can shed water. If we put an ice dam at the bottom edge of that, we cause water to back up. And now we're right back where Jack just said, and that is the water's going to find a way into the house. So if you have ice dams, people say to us, how do I know if I have an ice dam? Well, rule number one, if you have icicles hanging off your roof, and I'm not talking three-inch or four-inch or six-inch icicles. I'm talking a foot and a half, two-foot icicles, big icicles, big enough so your grandkids want to go out, break them off, and play with them, then you got a problem. That's an ice dam. And the snow melting from below, from the heat coming out of your house and from the sun, that's going to run down the roof till it goes over the unheated portion of the house, and that's your roof overhang, and then it's going to freeze. Now, tell me so, some tell me some solutions, Bob. What should people okay, do? Okay, if you have that, the simple solution is to remove the food that grows that ice dam, and that is the snow and the water. So, number one, if you have an ice dam, especially if you get a leak back into the house, Get some roof pucks, some uh, calcium chloride, something up there. Melt the ice. Uh, do not do like the old timers and get up there with a hatchet and start chopping away at it unless you really know what you're doing. And you want to make some channels every couple of feet. Let the water run away from it. And then you've got to get the snow off of there. You've got to get a roof rake and rake the snow off. By the time you've got a couple of feet of snow on your roof, it's really too late. If you got a house that develops ice dams, you're going to know it. So be proactive, not reactive. Get a snow rake. I just bought one the other day for my snowmobile trailer, $42 and change. I filled my car up with gas, and it cost $45. Yeah. 
So that that's a small investment, yeah. and it takes versus the hundreds snows, yeah, versus the dollars it would take to fix something with an ice dam. Oh my God! Thousands. into the thousands of dollars. Yeah, and this back and forth weather stuff is ideal for that stuff because in February we could run into a real cold snap where water is built up. The other thing too is I talked to someone as you know in our market, Bob, and of course Laval and Middleton building supplies. You have locations all across our region. Sometimes people have a a ski home, a second home. They haven't been in in a while, and to be frugal, they might keep the temperature in the house, you know, lower to save some money when they're not there. I just talked to someone. They went in the other day because last week, if you remember last weekend and that cold snap, and they were glad they went by their house because they weren't. You know, it's not a ski house. It's just a North Country kind of getaway. And he said it was the house was freezing. It's good because I'm glad with all the weather changes that went in to turn the heat up. You know, you're absolutely right, and uh, I don't want to uh, give away my age here, but I do uh, want to tell you that my son, one of my sons, they, he and his wife have a, a second home, and he has the controls for the heat. He has a, one of these ring doorbells. He can tell exactly what's going on. He has security cameras. He can do it all on his phone. But you're absolutely right. If if these people have second homes and they're coming up to ski for the weekend, if there's a way for them to turn that heat up six hours before they get there, that's a great idea. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, you've got to have somebody who's local that if you get a foot of snow, you can pull it off of the root freak in literally minutes. If yeah. you wait till it gets crusty, yeah. it'll be literally hours. Yeah, yeah. You got to keep up with it. You know that's homes, and you know Bob. It, great, I remember, remember a story years ago. We had a, you know, we going up uh, north of the notch up near Mount Washington a lot. We pulled into the place on a Friday night, kids, and you know, sort of like in the Plymouth Lincoln area, it was cold. Might have been you know ten or twelve, but it wasn't like we get up to the Mount Washington. And it was like twelve below zero, and uh, when that when that heat is not working or a pipe is frozen. And it's 8 o'clock at night in the dark, and you're trying to get someone to come thaw that out it, in, in the house, and you go inside, it's like an icebox. It's not too comfortable. You're absolutely right. Yep. It, it, you've got to be proactive in home ownership. You, you've got to almost predict what the next thing is going to be that's going to jump up at you. And well, as my daughter-in-law says, it's always something. Well, Bob, I know you love boating, and we, I saw you up with our friends at Goodhue Boat Company and a couple of our remotes. You're out there on the lake. Same with the boat. Every time you go out, you're going to be thinking, okay, what can go wrong? What do I have? What do I need? Because you never know. Bob, best way to people learn more about whether it's the, the ice dam stuff, the roof, the walls, the windows, best way, doors? If you have a question, give us a call at your nearest location. If you're not sure where that is, you can send me an email. And I will. I do not uh, profess to know the answer to all questions, but I will guarantee you that I will find you an yeah, answer I, yeah. and get back to you. I would. I, I would guarantee that someone in the Lavalley Milton team, if Bob doesn't, you'll find that expert. Yep, and you can send that email to R Jackman, J A C K M A N at Lavalleys. Don't forget the S. dot com. And, you know, we've had Jay Lucas on talking about the Sunshine Initiative. I know you two talked recently. Coming up, at some point I want you to talk more about your your, uh, modular home division out in the western part of the state. I think that's fascinating because I think that's a growth. That's going to only grow 
good opportunity for employees, good opportunity for customers. So one of the times I want to focus on that again. Yes, and then in many facets, it's all about options. And the modular home answer to the question is an excellent option, especially when everybody's very busy like this. And also, you know, controlled environment on the building. You know, it's tough to get a lot of people out there working and out in a cold winter, you you know, get a foundation and you're building a house, you frame it, bad weather comes in, they close it up as best they can. You're, these things are built in controlled environments, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's snowing outside and I think it's about 30 degrees and in the modular home uh, manufacturing facility in Claremont, New Hampshire, <laughs> it is 55 degrees and the lights are on yeah. and everything is dry and nice and neat. All right, Bob, catch you real soon. Thank you, Bob. All right, thank you. Have a great day. We'll come back, our friends from the Manchester VA. We'll talk about more transportation services for our veterans out there. Let's not forget that. Let's not forget our veterans. It's very easy to get distracted and caught up in some of the other stuff of the day, like politics. Top of the 10, more analysis. Nikki Haley, can she stay in this thing long-term, like she said last night at her second place uh, finished speech. We'll find out. Some of our experts. Hey, Google. Hey, Alexa, play the Pulse of an H. Back in a few. Our friends at the Manchester VA joining us. Good morning, New Hampshire. The Pulse of an H. Julie Vossi, uh, I guess we'll call it, deputy director of the whole thing. And she's talking a little more about transportation because it's such a big part for veterans, especially if they need some help out there. Julie, take it away. Good morning, Jack. Uh, hope you're well. Uh, yes. So a couple weeks ago, you met our, our business office chief, Michael Smale, and We talked about our beneficiary travel program, but there's a lot more that we can share about the processes for transportation, all the various programs that we have. So I asked Michael to come back and and sort of have a part two. So I'm going to turn it over to him, and he can take the wheel. No pun intended. Well, it was great information. I'm glad he's back. Hey, Michael. How's it going, Jack? Well, you know, a little tired, but I'm doing okay. But no one one cares. Michael, Michael, you reach a point in life, no one really cares when, you know, they ask how you're doing. No one it's really cares. Good. You know how it is. So, uh, so I came on today to, to talk a little bit about um, the transportation side of the house. So, like, like Julie said, we talked about the beneficiary traveling, getting reimbursed when you're driving yourself. But the VA also has the ability to, to transport veterans who um, can't transport themselves, and kind of the, the qualifications to do that is very similar to, to what I spoke about last week. You have to have the uh, the 30% or greater um, service connection or be under that pension threshold. But when um, when you do meet those criteria, we have, we have a couple different resources that um, allow us to provide transportation for either wheelchair veterans, um, veterans who have difficulty uh, getting around on their own, and, and for those who are actually bed-bound and or in stretchers. Um, so in order, in order for them to, to get a hold of us, um, they first have to have their consult placed by their provider. Once that consult is placed by the provider, then we can, we can verify their eligibility and we can get them scheduled in one of our, our various different uh, resources for transportation. And in order, to, in order for them to get scheduled with us, they can reach out to my transportation team and that's going to be the normal VA main line, the 603-624-4366. And then I have two extensions for my guys up there. I got 5135 and 5132, and that connects you directly to them. If they could leave a voicemail with their name, last four, and their return number, uh, we will absolutely get back to them, and we'll get them, um, if eligible and 
available because our resources are limited, right. but we absolutely try to get as many veterans uh, transported as humanly possible. I bet you, I bet you, Michael and Julie, once they find out more about this, they must be very grateful and really appreciative. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, especially those with mobility issues. It's it's a great help when they have a hard time getting around, and we can ensure that they get their health care that they need. Yeah. Now, on the end of delivering that, are you still looking for folks to help transport? Absolutely. We're, we're actually hiring right now um, for drivers for our own internal driver team, and the DAV is always looking for volunteers. Shameless plug for that team. Um, they, they don't have to be veterans to volunteer with the DAV, and they are very appreciative. Anybody who wants to help a veteran in their spare time is welcome to, to come on down and give us a hand. I asked before, Michael, what, what are some of the, not qualifications, but what do you look for in ideal volunteers or people to help out? Uh, for transportation purposes, um, realistically, somebody with a valid driver's license and the the desire to help veterans and the, the care and compassion, that's really what it is. Um, and we also have non-driving um, volunteers that, you know, it, if you want to come and spend some time, help some veterans around the hospital, um, we'll, we'll the, those who need help with their mobility issues around the facility to get to their appointments, we, we appreciate that as well. Great stuff, Michael, and I appreciate the part two on transportation. Julie, before we go, we have a couple moments. Any other general facility, time of year, trend, any other updates you want to get in there for veterans and their caregivers? Yes, please. So so I want to let everybody know that February 12th through 16th is our National Salute to Veterans Patients Week. So, you know, we hope all of our, our patients, our veterans that come to see us at our facilities feel special every time they come in the door, but we're planning some um, special events with tokens of, of appreciation for that upcoming week, February 12th through 16th. So um, thanks for asking, Jack. All right. Well, thank you, Michael. Thank you, Julie. Uh, enjoy the uh, mixed weather today, and we'll get you back again soon. Best to Kevin Forrest. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Kat. Have a good one. Thank you.